Hello, I'm Zeb Newirth and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. My friends, I'm super excited to talk about this topic today with our guest. The topic is one of the most critical issues and transitions that we need to make in American healthcare today, which is that transition to a value-based primary care ecosystem. The organization we're going to hear from has a unique approach. And in fact, let me just read a quick quote from our guest today that just captures it. What he wrote to me in our correspondence prior to this interview is, he wrote this, we focus on communities that have been 100% fee-for-service and recreate the infrastructure to transition the entire market into value-based care while empowering doctors and enabling better patient outcomes. Now, I honestly can't think of something more important than that, especially the empowering of providers and really enabling and engaging patients in that way. And we're gonna hear much, much more about that. Before I formally introduce our guests, I'm gonna make a request of you. If you find value in the podcast, please, please, please share it with your colleagues and also rate it online. Believe it or not, the ratings actually help people find the podcast. Now, my purpose here is to really create more dialogue and action that can catalyze the transformation of American healthcare. It starts, it all starts with dialogue. A number of you have been commenting and sharing the podcast through LinkedIn and Twitter. To those of you who have already begun and to those of you who are going to start today, I greatly appreciate you taking a moment to spread the podcast, but even more importantly than that, to spread the word on creating a new and better healthcare. Now, our guest today is Stephen Sell. He has served as the Chief Executive Officer and President of Agilon Health since June of 2020. Prior to his current role, Steve has served as President, CEO, and Chairman of HealthNet, one of Centene's largest subsidiaries. He's held a number of other executive roles prior to that. Steve received his BA from Swarthmore College and holds an MBA from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Steve, this is the first time you and I have spoken. Welcome to Creating New Healthcare. How are you today? I, I'm doing great, Zev, and I, I'm uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. I am just so optimistic about what's ahead for communities across the country, and I, I'm just really excited to share the partnerships that we're building with physicians in, in so many different communities. Well, I have to say, Steve, that's such a, a great way to open this conversation, and it's I have to say it's really hopeful and refreshing to hear you say that you're hopeful given you know you're right in in the belly of the beast i have to tell you there are some mornings it's it's now the winter we're in january of 2023 and, and you know yes i mean the light is low and, and i think for all of us we're we're now kind of out of the holiday season and now into the dead of the winter it's our mood is important it's it's part of who we are we're we're driven by emotions and i'll admit healthcare is struggling right now there's a lot going on across the country with healthcare systems that are struggling. We know burnout's tremendous. So really, really, really glad. Thank you so much for that note of positivity. It's it's definitely changed my mood already this morning. So just want to say thank you. Absolutely. 
So before we dive in, I'm going to ask you some questions about, about Agilon, but you're obviously the CEO, you're the chief spokesperson for the sure. organization. If you're on an elevator ride with me and we've got 30, 40 seconds and uh, I'm saying, oh, so what, what is you, what is, what is Agilon do? Could you just give us a, a quick thumbnail and then we'll, we'll dive in a bit more. Yeah, no, ha happy to do it. I mean, we are a company that believes that primary care physicians are the key to transforming healthcare locally and nationally. And what we've done is we've created a new primary care model, one that takes existing primary care doctors, their senior patients, and the health plans they're working with today, and moves them from a very challenging world of fee-for-service, where you get paid per visit and for volume, to a holistic world in which the primary care physician is responsible for the total care and cost for those senior patients. And so we're able to invest and surround them with resources they've never had before. We're able to give them information in terms of data about their patients, and we're able to give them time so they can spend more time with their most complex patients. And the outcomes that I'll share with you have really been dramatic in terms of improvements in quality, experience for the patients and the physicians, and in terms of cost reduction. Yeah. That was really good. I mean, that was brilliant. You, we do it a lot. So hopefully you, you, you've got that down. No, you do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, as I'm listening to, and again, I've done a little bit of research on you, but for those who haven't are familiar with you, but I think you really kind of covered some really key points. One is you shared with us that this is in the sort of the Medicare realm, the senior care realm. I yes. think uh, focusing to my mind, again, a little bit of editorializing here. First of all, you're focusing on total cost of care. Again, incredibly important at this point in time. You're talking about the fact that primary care, we know that in this country, primary care gets less than 10% of all the healthcare resources, which is just, I mean, it's a crime. You're looking at other countries where clearly it's far greater than that, and they're achieving better outcomes. And we know the science for decades has told us that the more primary care you have in a community, the better the total health of the community. We're seeing this not just in our country, but we're seeing this across the globe. It's a fact at this point. And so that notion that you're pouring resources into primary care, you're giving these providers information information, you're giving them time, which again, I practiced primary care for 20 years. Time was really scarce. And I really want to just double down on one thing you said, which is, I think, you know, look, physicians, providers trained for years and years to handle complex issues. I really believe, and again, this is a bit of a bias here. I believe that primary care physicians should be taking care of those complex chronic care patients. Those are the ones that really need someone to guide them through the healthcare system, someone they could trust, someone that knows them. That does not happen in a seven or 10 or 15 or even 20 minute visit. And so I just, again, what a great job you did. I've sort of editorialized, but from your perspective, what's the why? What's the problem as you all see it at Agilon? And what's your origin story? Like, wh where did this come from? How, how did this come to be, this Agilon Health? Yeah, well, I think the the why and the origin are, are just so linked. I think that at a macro level, we believe that the primary care physician is absolutely at the heart of this ability to transform communities. We think healthcare is local. Uh, in 2016, the company was formed in Columbus, Ohio, with the largest independent primary care group in the country, Central Ohio Primary Care. We like to say we were created by physicians for physicians, and the first partnership came about. The problems that we we're trying to solve in Columbus, Ohio, are the problems that are in 90% of the communities in the country. They are 
100% fee-for-service or nearly 100% fee-for-service, that created a fragmented, uncoordinated, and unsustainably expensive delivery of healthcare for the system. But for the doctors, it was really uneconomic. They had their panels, like all panels in the country, we're seeing a larger proportion of their patients becoming 60, turning 65, moving into the Medicare program. Uh, for folks who don't know, there's a dramatic change in the reimbursement level as you move from a commercial patient at 64 to a Medicare patient at 65. And the idea was, can we create a program in which the doctor can take the time to spend more time with those most complex patients in which we could invest in resources pharmacists, care managers, social workers that could be in the office with that, that PCP and really practice team-based care, that would allow those doctors to see those most complex patients more often and allow them to really understand who needed that attention and to have someone they could hand off to make sure that medication adherence was going to be done the right way, or if there were issues around transportation or the home setting that that patient was going to go, go back to, they could have those resources. And so that, that was the idea at the time. And we created this total care model, one that took those, those existing patients, those existing doctors in the health plans, and moved them into this holistic, long-term world. We coordinated all of the payers. And so there was one experience across the payers, regardless of which insurance card that that patient had as they came in, if they had Medicare Advantage through Blue Cross or through United or Aetna, it was the exact same experience for the front office staff, for the physician and for the care team. And so that was really the idea was, could we practice healthcare that was going to allow more time with those most complex patients and be able to create a better quality experience, reduce costs, and have just better overall outcomes. Steve, I, I just want to kind of double down and underscore what you just said, because I, I think you're just sharing with us the reality of real life practice, not, not at some academic level, not at okay. some high level bureaucratic level. This is where patients are actually being taken care of. And I think you pointed out some realities that most people either don't know. And by people, I mean, most healthcare leaders, most healthcare administrators don't understand. And I, I just want to kind of share what I heard in what you said and you, just so many wonderful things. First, you made a very, very important point that as people get into their 60s, as they transition in that age range, there are some real very serious, very, very impactful transitions that happen. The first, as you pointed out, is the most obvious is that people go from a commercial insurance, which we all know pays a lot more than Medicare typically. And so you're seeing a reduction, the providers, the practices, the systems that take care of people that transition into over 65 into Medicare. So you're seeing the revenue go down. And, and that's critical because again, if you're an independent physician, if you, you have your own practice, whether it's primary care or multi-specialty, that makes a big, big deal and big difference in terms of your viability. Number one, point number two, which again, I don't think most people actually really understand is that as you age, you're actually getting sicker. We know this for a fact, mm -hmm. right? More chronic 
diseases, more complex chronic diseases, more trauma and injury in terms of musculoskeletal, back pain, neck pain, and even issues around psychosocial. And so you're transitioning into, and again, I've never heard anyone say it this way, which is why I want to spend a second on it here, is that you're transitioning from a younger, healthier patient and population of patients to an older sicker, more clinically, medically, psychosocially complex, and also you're getting less less payment for it. That transition is huge. And this is for me as a pet peeve, you go to primary care practices across the country in healthcare systems or whatnot, that 25 or 35 or 45 year old that walks into the office, if you're 75 or 85, it's the same office. It's the yeah. same provider. It's the same protocols. It's the same ecosystem. It's the same platform. It's the same resources. How absolutely ludicrous is our primary care system? And the outcome is really the issue here, which is that the care is simply poor and the outcomes are poor and the experience is poor for those older patients and for those with chronic disease. And, you know, so I think the fact that what I heard you say is, you know, so that's the problem and the solution that Agilon has come up with and you've been deploying and manifesting and, and demonstrating the success is that what is required, and this is the point I walk away with from listening to you, the point is that we actually need to create a different primary care ecosystem for Medicare patients, for patients as they age into their 60s, 70s, and 80s. You're spot on. I mean, the, the current fee-for-service system is backwards. You should be spending more time with senior patients, not less time with senior patients. You should see them more frequently, particularly those most complex multi-chronics that you just talked about, but the way the, the economics work and the, the number of visits that that physician has to have in the day just to make their practice work does, doesn't enable that. And so we've created this new primary care model, one that gives that, that primary care physician the time, gives them resources, and gives them information. You know, what we hear from a lot of our primary care doctors is we show them their senior patient population on kind of the tenets of what you need to do to deliver great outcomes. So access, how often are they getting in for annual wellness visits? And have you accurately assessed and understand their, their chronic conditions? Quality, particularly around their most complex patients, say like diabetics that are roughly a quarter of the senior population. And then utilization, right? How are you doing in terms of avoiding unnecessary time in the hospital and the ER? How are you doing on, you know, avoiding unnecessary readmissions when someone goes back into the hospital within 30 days of just having been discharged? And the, the reality is the current fee-for-service system, when you look at it in any community, is really poor on every single one of those metrics for patients that are over 65 and in the Medicare program. And that's unacceptable. And the doctors feel that way as well. But rather than just griping about the challenges of the current system, we've said, let's do something about it. We can take the same doctors and the same patients and the same health plans and the same dollars. And by putting the primary care physician where they should be, which is at the top of the overall guide for that, that local healthcare delivery, 
surrounding them with that information and that team, both in their office and within the high volume ERs and the hospitals, we can dramatically change the experience for the doctor, which is way more fulfilling, and the outcomes for those senior patients. And we've got a shortage of primary care doctors in this country. People are leaving primary care because of burnout, because of frustration, because it's uneconomic for all the reasons we talked about. And one of the things I'm most proud about is that we are reversing that trajectory in the communities. You know, we started in Columbus, Ohio. Today, just as of January 1st, we're in 12 states and 25 communities. And we are doing this with north of 1% of the adult primary care doctors in the country. And wow. they are thrilled with the experience. You know, our, our, we just did a survey hmm. with our network docs on a net promoter score, which is likelihood to recognize a, a partnership with Agilon. And if you know anything about net promoter scores, our score was 69. That, that is amazing. That's like world-class. And 95% of them said, this is allowing me to practice more effective, higher quality care. So I, uh, I mean, if you can hear, I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about what we're doing. I'm optimistic about what we're doing. And I, I have a sense of urgency because we need this in every community in the country. That's great. It's 12 states, 25 communities. And how many primary care physicians? So we're 2,300 adult primary care physicians today. That's a lot. There's also NPs and PAs that are supporting right. them. Yeah. Wow. And it's it's 500,000 senior patients. That's a large number. So clearly you're growing and you're already manifesting in multiple states. I want to dive into what you talked about before, because I think this is maybe the secret sauce of what you call your total care model. And for folks out there, Agilent Health has a, a wonderful, very, very easy to review website. I would recommend visiting it. And what you'll see on there is what they call their total care model that includes their partnerships. Again, I'd love to hear about the ecosystem, how you work with these independent doctors, the payers in the local community, obviously patients, and, and if you're working or connecting with healthcare systems as well, the so-called network. Part of your total care model, though, is that platform. And Correct. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, I, I do think it's the secret sauce. I mean, the ecosystem's really elegant, but what you just described or began to describe in terms of giving the providers, enabling, empowering the providers to understand their patients, know their patients, focus on the patients that need their care, coordinate the care, all of that. Could you do a deeper dive on if I'm an independent provider or I have a group in a community and hear about you, reach out to you, what is that platform and how is that going to change my practice? Yeah, so I maybe let me start and talk about how we go to a, a community and create the value-based care infrastructure that you talked about in, in the introduction. And that that's done via our platform, but 90 plus percent of the communities are 100% fee-for-service in the country. We look for those communities. We go in, we find a group that has sufficient scale, say 10 to 15% of the adult primary care capacity. And we enter into the partnership, which I would say is a key part of the, of the secret sauce, which creates incredible alignment. We operate at 50-50. The physicians are making all the clinical decisions, but we're bringing 
people, process, technology, capital to that that equation. We govern it 50-50. And, and Steve, let me just interrupt. I, I saw that you said something that these, these are not short-term partnerships. You're not in it for the oh, short this, run. This is, yeah. And that, that was the thought back in Columbus. In fact, Central Ohio Primary Care Bill Wolf, who's the uh, just retired as the CEO of Central Ohio Primary Care, was just the past national chair of America's physician groups, an incredibly well-respected leader who was part, who was a co-founder and part of creating this said, we need to have a long-term partnership for the doctors. You know, a lot of people will say, let's do put our toe in the water. Let's do a one year, a two year. Let's kind of see how this goes. He said, if we don't make this long-term, we're not going to go all in. And, and from our perspective, we said, you know what? To build this platform, to make these investments, to bring in these resources, to drive the outcomes, which can take time, right? Particularly with senior patients, and having that long-term horizon is really a huge advantage. So it was a very conscious choice, and it really enabled an awful lot of the power in this model that we talked about. But the, the platform is really what creates this infrastructure. If you think about it in a fee-for-service world, the primary care doctor has no idea typically where their senior patients, any of their patients are, except when they come to see them. And, you know, we would have doctors that would tell us stories, you know, and I have a patient come in and say, I've been in the ER twice. I was admitted to the hospital. Um, I had the, the, these issues. I've got, you know, two new specialists that I'm working with. Primary care doctor had no idea about that. The infrastructure that we've created is that we connect health plans, we connect the high volume ERs and hospitals. If there's health information exchange within that, we're bringing all of that together, which is a substantial amount of work basically to create that connectivity. And then we just give that doctor a care team and a view on their senior patients. If somebody, if a senior patient goes into an ER, they know about it. We've got a nurse within that ER. They're spending time with them and saying, What's going on? Is this something that can be handled at home? Is it appropriate for you to be admitted? They've got someone that they know is part of their doctor's care team who's literally there at this critical moment for them working with them and deciding what the most appropriate thing is. We're figuring out if somebody is in the hospital when they're discharged, we're making sure within 48 hours, they're gonna see their primary care doctor. They're going to have a nurse at the hospital. It's going to be around with them. They're going to let them know what's coming. That doctor is going to see them within 48 hours. Typically, a pharmacist will also be part of that because typically people get new meds when they're, when they're in the hospital. There's no one who's really looking at sort of uh, the, the combination of meds and is that appropriate. And also, you want to make sure that the adherence is right. If you get those basic things right, the level of readmission drops dramatically, 30, 40, 50%, but it takes that information, it takes that intervention at that critical time in that patient's journey. And, you know, the patients, they, they love it. It's a tremendous experience. The physicians love it. And so it's that platform with that information and those resources enables all of that. That's really 
really amazing. I'm going to try to hold myself back from going too too deep in the weeds with this because this is an area I've spent quite a bit of time in, but I do have some questions. So first of all, just backing up a little bit, when you partner with the primary care practices, are they already on Medicare Advantages or is that a transition you help them with in terms of acquiring patients on MA? Yeah. So they're all in Medicare. I mean, they all have senior patients and roughly half those patients have chosen Medicare Advantage. The other half are on Medicare fee-for-service. So they've got Medicare Advantage, but all of it's in a fee-for-service setting with all the problems that Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it at the the top of this discussion. Mm-hmm. So, but that that what we do is we do a twelve month implementation that moves those patients and those health plans and those doctors to a day one, year one total care model in which you've got this budget, in which you've got those resources, and in that implementation year, we're we're pulling together that information and we're making sure those. Patients are all getting in for annual wellness visits. You really have an accurate assessment of them. You understand what conditions they have and who are the specialists that they're seeing out there. And just that picture gives you such a leg up in terms of how you manage that, how your daily schedule is set up. A big part of this is logistics and who are those patients that really need to get in today. And so all of that's part of the model. Again, that part is so critical for, I would say, the vast, vast majority of primary care providers out there. There isn't that sort of mechanism that says, listen, you've got, you know, whatever it is, 1,000, 2,000 patients in your panel. These are the 5, 10, 15, 20, 30. These are the ones that need to see you now. And as a result of that, people just get worse and worse, end up in the ED, hospitalizations, avoidable procedures, avoidable tests. And so I I really love the fact that you've got this analytics running, looking for proactively those patients that need to be seen. So just, you know, you're converting patients. Who's taking the sort of risk here? Are you actually working with the payers and are you taking the risk here in terms of Medicare Advantage? Because you're absolutely right. Medicare Advantage, you could still be on a fee-for-service as opposed to a full risk, you know, upside-downside risk contract. So you could still be in that fee-for-service. So are you contracting directly with the payers and, and are you taking the risk or is the risk being transitioned or transferred also to the providers? So the Agilon takes 100% of the downside. Part of this, as we say to the physicians, you will never lose money by making this move into value-based care. And and that's important because the history that a lot of the physicians have had through different ACOs or shared savings programs or others has been a lot of bait and switch and there's skepticism. So what we try to do is remove any of the friction points that would stop a group from saying, I should make this move. We take 100% of the downside. We say you can use your existing EMR. We'll integrate all that information into your EMR, into your portal. We will make sure that we'll get those right care team resources. If you have existing resources, you can charge them against the partnership, quote unquote. And we take 100% of the downside and then we share the surplus 50-50 on the upside. And typically we would obviously in the implementation year, that's all expense, there's no revenue. So that's a loss in that year. In year one, it's typically a loss or close to break even. But by year two, by virtue of doing all the things I talked about and getting those most complex patients in, making sure you're doing things on annual wellness visits, 
you are able to start to generate surplus, which enables this reinvestment into primary care. And right now we're reinvesting 10 to $13 million a month into these communities by virtue of better care, lower costs, happier patients, which is attracting other physicians. Other physicians in the community are seeing this saying, hey, I've got patients. I've got these problems in fee-for-service. Once we've set up that infrastructure, the ability for them to join into that is, is fairly straightforward. And that's where we're seeing a lot of acceleration in our growth is within a market, other doctors deciding they'd like to participate. I have to say, Agilon is even more bold than I had actually thought just from the research I did. And here's the difference. The vast, vast, vast majority of primary care physicians in healthcare systems across the country, the transition to this sort of value-based care, all the things we were talking about in terms of getting patients in for the annual wellness visit, identifying those patients that really need care, pouring resources into it, changing the schedule. So there's more time spent on those patients, the overlay of all that care management. That transition in the United States of America is a multi-multi-year transition, what I would call a value-based purgatory. Because how many CEOs have I heard say this across the country? You know, we got one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. So we're taking it cautiously, moving slowly, inch by inch into value-based care with seven, 10, 15 year. The problem with that is it's a cash 22 because until you actually get the payment, change the contract, you're not going to get the money. And if you don't have the money, you can't invest in the resources that you're talking about. And so what I love about your approach is you're just ripping the bandaid off. You're just making that leap. You're burning the ship and you're swimming to a new shore. And you're saying, we're going to do all of that intensely. What I love about it is you're not putting that onus on providers. You're saying, we will take that risk. And we are serious about this in a one-year time frame. We're going to add all this care to the patient, all this analytics, all this support to the provider in their practice to actually transition in a reasonable amount of time. Again, so, so bold, so smart, so the right thing. You know, I mean, you, you've got it. The idea is this is a big leap. We wanted to remove any concern that a, a physician and their group would have about making the move. And in addition to all the things you said, the other thing I would add is we actually pay an incremental incentive in that implementation year and in the early years of the practice for them to see those senior patients, to have longer visits. So in the fee-for-service world that they're used to, we are actually paying them a visit payment to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Ultimately, that's going to lead to better quality, better cost, but there's a lag on that happening. And so because we understand that these docs have grown up in the fee-for-service world, we're going to lay out a set of, you know, sort of incentives that are going to have them doing the right thing. And pretty soon they're going to see just how powerful that is, all the waste in the system they can take out, how much happier their patients are. And so it's just it's the right way to do things. And it's it's why that long-term partnership that we got is so important. That's a lot of investment that we do in that implementation year and year one, year two, but it is driving the right outcomes. You are seeing dramatic reductions, 30, 40% in terms of ER visits, 
in terms of admissions into the hospital, in terms of readmission rates. And that's, that's where huge expenses are occurring within healthcare and terrible experiences occurring. And so that's, that's something I'm most proud of. In terms of compensation, is there a change in the compensation model for these clinicians? There are the incentives that we pay to them immediately to sort of get in. The, we're taking all the downside that typically yeah. occurs in the first couple of years. And then 50% of the savings goes to the group. The group has these compensation models that distributes that out to the primary care physician. As we look at groups mm -hmm. that are great partners for this, we want to make sure that they have a commitment to transparency, mm -hmm. that they have a, a well-governed process, and they have a compensation model that is going to get those dollars to that primary care physician so that they can connect. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm practicing medicine a different way. I've got more care team resources. I'm spending more time with more complex patients. I'm reducing costs and I can see it in my compensation model. The incentives is a big part of this, right? Incentives are the, one of the big reasons the system screwed up. Yeah. In a total care model, we need to make sure that those doctors can connect it on a regular basis with how they're practicing medicine within this team-based environment. Yeah. I mean, let me say it plainly, at least from my understanding of it. I mean, the way primary care physicians can make more money now is by churning more. Correct. More patients seen per day, more RVUs. And so it's a volume-based game. You got to go fast. You got to stay on that hamster wheel, keep it moving. I think what I'm hearing you say is, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Number one, the primary care physicians are, are not just making as much revenue as they were before. They're actually potentially making more. Substantially more. I mean, you, you can see primary care doctors double their income, total income within wow. a few years in the practice. Within how long? I'm sorry. With, within a few years. Wow. So it, it is, it, and it, you know what? Mm -hmm. Everybody agrees primary care should be at the mm -hmm. center of the solution you just have to set up a system that rewards people for those outcomes. And that that's right. what we've done. Well, you know, that's the other thing is, so it's not just that they're making more, which is the right thing, relatively speaking, but they're making it the right way. So they're not seeing more and more and more patients. And, you know, I've been in this game for years and as a primary care practicing physician, and then as a manager and executive, et cetera. And, you know, it's the one thing oh, every year that I hear the doctor say, it's like, bottom line, they're just asking me to see more patients per day. Correct you're reversing that and you're saying, no, you're going to make more money, have more resources, have more support, have more information, be able to take better care of your patients. The way you're going to make more money is by actually delivering better care, which I think, you know, people talk about burnout here increasingly. Well, it's not that people talk about burnout. Burnout is a fact of life in healthcare, particularly in primary care. And the proof is in the pudding that we're seeing less and less physicians going into primary care. I know, and that's been going on for years in part because of the lifestyle, the lack of support, but people talk about this moral injury that if you go into primary care, you, you do it for a reason. You could have gone into a procedure-based specialty, which is phenomenal, but you didn't. You wanted to go into a field where you were the quarterback, you were looking at patients' life, their whole health, building relationships. That's what attracts most primary care physicians, the intellectual part of it as well. But when you then get subjected to these short visits, volume-based care, which is antithetical, 
and in some ways unethical, it, it is a what they call a moral injury to the provider. And I think people have, have argued that is the cause of burnout. And so I think one of the great things you are doing here is you're taking that moral injury away. And I assume, I, I don't know if you studied this yet, but I assume that the before after burnout situation amongst your primary care providers is real. It is dramatically different. We have multiple partners in which four, five, six primary care doctors were going to retire within a few years. And the retention rate, the number of doctors saying, you know what, I'm going to stay on longer because this is a different experience for me. I can actually see fewer patients in the day. I This is what I learned about when I was being trained, but I wasn't sure it was really possible. And so when I talk about stabilizing primary care in these communities and starting to see it grow again, a big part of that is the retention is going up. You're not having nearly as many people leave. Now, the other side of that is we're starting to see more people choose primary care in these communities coming out of residency programs. And so that that too is exciting. If you would ask me where I'd like to be in five or 10 years, mm. I'd like to see a dramatic increase in terms of the number of uh, medical students choosing primary care and helping them understand look, you can practice medicine the way you were trained. You can play this holistic role and have this long-term relationship. And it's economic for you. You can have compensation on level with, with a specialist. And that will be a real game changer when we get it that. Is, it's phenomenal. I am going to send this interview podcast recording to academic medical centers across the country. I think you and I should do that if you're not already doing that too. To show them, and in fact, I'm I'm speaking with a number of medical students this month, and I'm going to actually instruct them to to listen to this before we speak because I I think it's so inspiring for those who want to go into primary care, and like you said, for those who want to stay in primary care. Two quick yeah. deeper dive questions, and then I'll back out and ask you some other broader questions. The care management team. One of the issues, and I know you're changing the schedule of physicians, so it's not volume driven, it's not that fast paced, back to back, get them in and out sort of thing. Time is still an issue. How Absolutely. does the physician engage in the platform? Because that takes time looking at another database. And how do they engage with that care management team, the nurse that you mentioned that is seeing the patient in the hospital, the transitions of care, the pharmacist checking the medications? So it sounds like you almost have a command center, a care management command center in the background, looking at all this data, intervening, and then informing the physician. But so that's me just putting out the picture I have. But what what is the reality of that? I, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, we're trying to make this as easy as possible for the primary care physician and allow them to practice at the top of their license. So they're not looking at a separate portal for this information. This is being provided to them into their EMR and the care team is getting access to this information. The care team is saying, hey, we're going to work on, on changing the schedule. There, they are, there's a daily standup in which you, you are laying this out and that, that's shared with the primary care doctor, but it's also shared with the front office staff. It's shared with the broader care team. The folks that are in the ERs and rounding at the hospital floors, they're part of that care team. And so they're sharing that information back, but it's 
again, to remove that friction that would stop someone from doing this, what would they say? say well, I lost money, so we took that away. Mm-hmm. I need to see more patients, we took that away. I need to use different technology, we took that away, right? And then kind of almost ABC, if you do these things and the care team is sort of laying that out for them, you're going to get tremendous outcomes. And now because we're in so many communities, Mm -hmm. there is literally, they can go talk to partners all across the country that look like them, that sound like them and say, hey, this sounds too good to be true. Tell me what your experience is. You know, our, we're growing 50% a year. We only have four people in our business development team. The reason for that is because the reference between our partners and people who are thinking about joining is so strong. And that's wow. that's the way you want it, right? You right. want to be able to go talk to someone and say, hey, this is a big decision. Mm-hmm. Our experience in this has been a little bit of bait and switch. Mm-hmm. How did you get comfortable with that? Yeah. Another question, Steve. And as you were talking, I'm just trying to imagine the day in the life of a physician, you know, is there sort of, a, like you said, to stand up, is there sort of a, a huddle with the team? And maybe that's a little bit too much in the weeds, but that's something I definitely would love to dive down with you maybe another time, or if you could paint the picture now. The other question is the providers, their panels, as a result of this, are they shifting where do they start in terms of the percentage of Medicare patients in their panel and where do they end up? Are they slowly shifting to more and more Medicare patients, less commercial patients? Are they sort of maintaining a balance? What, what does that look like? Well, the, you know, it's 30% Medicare, 7% commercial or 35, 65. Every year, just by the aging population, Medicare is becoming a larger part of virtually every primary care practice in the country for people who are doing adult primary care. And so that... That's just time and, and aging that, that's driving all of that. Before we come into this, you're already seeing maybe 40% of your time is spent on Medicare patients if they're 30% of your population because they're more complex and they have more issues. What is a big change is a much greater visit proportion is now with Medicare patients. So they're spending more time with those folks we add in resources for them. Maybe that 35-year-old is going to see a nurse practitioner or a PA. They don't need to see the primary care doctor three or four times a year, or the doctor is going to drop in for five minutes. But we are trying to make sure that primary care doctor is spending the time with those most complex patients who, by definition, are, the, are their Medicare patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. We talked a lot about the life of the provider and the benefits to the provider, clearly benefits to the payer, I'm assuming. By how much do you reduce total costs of care and how do the payers look at you? So I think this is incredibly valuable for the payers. For for them, they are looking at quality scores. So in all of our markets by year two, on every single metric, our partners are at four and five stars. They don't start there, but we move them there. And that's just blocking and tackling, making sure you're seeing those most complex patients, making sure, you know, diabetics are getting eye exams and their blood glucose level is being controlled. You know, Medicare is a national program and they have laid out very clear standards that you need to reach in order to hit that that high quality threshold. So the, the quality standards are dramatic. And we have regular reviews with the health plans. What they've said is we could never achieve these outcomes Hmm. 
across our broad fee-for-service network. So for a payer, that quality is tremendous. Experience from the, the patient, which is another thing that Medicare rewards, is our net promoter scores from patients are 80 plus. They're world-class. And experience is super important in terms of how Medicare views, are you doing a good job in terms of delivering healthcare for, for that patient? From a growth perspective, we are growing at one and a half to two times the market average. So a payer is looking at senior population is growing, I need to participate in whatever that market average is. If the market's growing 8% a year, we're probably growing 12 to 16%. Mm -hmm. And they are getting a proportion of that. So better quality, better experience, higher growth. And then we have a percentage of premium arrangement with them. If Medicare is paying them $1,000, we typically are at like 85% of premium. They are getting that, that 15% increment. And that $1,000 may be higher because the bonus for four and five stars, mm -hmm. you get four stars, you get a 5% bonus, as I think you know. And so mm -hmm. The alignment from CMS to the payer, to the group and the physician, to the patient, to the community, to Agilon, top to bottom, this is the best aligned model that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, and I, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's brilliant sort of the way it's set up. No, no, it's just, again, that, that experience you mentioned, the questions specifically and that Medicare is asking about are also clinically relevant. Absolutely. Right. The doctor asks you about falls as you get all the urinary issues. So these are things that often get missed. And so this is, you know, not just a wonderful experience in terms of customer experience, patient experience, but it's actually clinically better too. So that's phenomenal. What about hospital systems? How do you interact, if at all, with the hospitals in the communities that you're in? So in, in every community, the biggest cost area or one of them is, is time spent in the hospital. And so we connect with them immediately when we come into the community. For the high volume hospitals, we're going to have embed nurses in the ERs, have people around on the floors. And the goal is uh, avoidable admissions and, and readmissions, right? So we're trying to, to take those down. And so that that's part of what we're doing here. We have our first health system that actually became a partner wow. at January 1st of this year, which is Maine Health. Mm -hmm. and a very large system uh, up in Northern New England. And they, they have a really sort of thoughtful, progressive CEO, Andy Mueller, who's a family physician. Our partner is the Maine Health Medical Group. All of our partners are groups of physicians. And if you listen to Andy, when he talks about his vision, primary care is the catalyst to really transform the health of his community. A better primary care model, a better way to take care of senior patients, it sounds exactly like our other partners. And so we're in the very early days, but it, it's going very well with them. They look at this and say, hey, if we could have seniors spend less time in the ER, less time in the hospital. Yeah, that's a reduction of Medicare revenue for us, but we're at capacity. And if we could get our mix to have more commercial patients, that works for the hospital system. Mm -hmm. They're also spending about $100,000 per primary care physician today, quote unquote, in a subsidy. The economics that flows through this partnership 
you know, changes that. So that really works. And so it's given them a primary care strategy. It's given them a Medicare strategy. And what we're finding now, because Andy has been pretty prominent talking about this partnership, is we have a number of health systems that need a primary care strategy and a Medicare strategy that are talking to us. Many of them are in existing communities in which we've partnered with a large independent practice. And they're saying, hey, we need to think about this. This is our you know, IPA of docs that are using our hospital. They're in it. We need to look at our employed docs as well and how that, that might work in this construct. That's really great to hear. I, obviously, the benefit to the hospitals in terms of reduced readmission rates and the penalties associated with that. I'm sure the hospitals now, especially, are loving Agilon because of the extra resources you're pouring in. Nurses are scarce. All employees in healthcare right now are hard to come by. And so the fact that you're bringing care managers and pharmacists onto the floors into that transition period, I'm sure they're loving that. Do they have any concern because you are reducing ED visits, you're reducing hospitalizations, you're reducing readmissions, all of which in the fee-for-service model is revenue for hospital systems. Does the positive balance out that part of it, the loss that they're feeling? I, I think it does. And it's, I mean, the, the systems that we're working with are seeing the, the value in terms of the better experience. I also like I said, a lot of systems are are close to capacity. And so the ability to have seniors appropriately not in the hospital mm. and, and be able to have more commercial patients within that actually is helpful for them. Yep. So it's different it's a different source of revenue, but it is it is helpful. But I no one wants someone to be in the hospital inappropriately or in the ER inappropriately. And I, I do think people are are well-intended. I talked about being optimistic at the beginning, and I just have been really encouraged by the reaction from community to community in terms of all the players within that ecosystem and how they're reacting to this new world of value-based care. Yeah, that's great. Again, really appreciate your sense of optimism. And I think it's based in the reality that you're seeing and even more to the point, the reality that Agilon is creating in healthcare. Quick question about equity, health equity, such a yeah. big, big issue. Huge. Yeah, I assume, well, I'm sure you're thinking about it. How does your model impact this issue of, of health equity? Yeah, it, it's an enormous focus for us and something that I think is really critical to really transforming the communities that we're in. So I'll start with 43% of our partners' practice locations are in federally designated uh, medically underserved areas. And so one is we're partnering with folks that are located in, in those areas Two is the resources that we're bringing to bear in terms of social work, in terms of care management, in terms of, you know, we haven't talked about this. We have home-based teams of doctors and nurses that are going into the home for the most complex patients, say complex kidney disease, and seeing those patients in the home saying because they're not able to really come in, often not able to come into the primary care office or reluctant to do that. All of that is part of this, this health equity focus. And, you know, just this week, we published a study that we're really proud of. 
that shows across our net, we have been able to drive outcomes for our senior patients and show improvement levels for diabetic patients around blood glucose levels and eye exams that are two to three times better than Medicare Advantage overall. Dramatically better than Medicare fee-for-service, but two to three times better the rate of improvement versus Medicare Advantage, which speaks to this. But what we're really proud of is that in these underserved areas, the data and the study shows that we're delivering care that's equivalent or actually better versus other areas. So we focus on not just being there, not just making sure we've got the resources that are needed for underserved populations, but what's the outcome? And so, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. You could be cynical in healthcare when you look at a lot of this. If you can't be optimistic when you see that type of outcome, and this is across, you know, it was done when we had 17 communities, now we're in 25. You can't be optimistic about that. I don't know what you can be optimistic about. So it is possible to make great changes in healthcare, and we're doing it, and we're doing it with tremendous partners. Yeah. Again, your optimism, your hope is so based on the reality you're creating. And I can't tell you how much I respect you and Agilon, your colleagues, for doing what you're doing. I'm glad I asked the question about health equity it was on my mind. And you really, I think, opened up for me a bit of more understanding about how the work you're doing actually creates a more equitable healthcare delivery system and less disparity in terms of outcomes. Steve, I know we've kept you on for a while. Is there anything here you'd like to add before we close out? Well, I I would just say that I, I think we sort of hit this, but you know, healthcare is local and most of the communities out there are 100% fee-for-service. I just would love policymakers. I would love physicians. I would love health plan leaders, health system leaders to hear that we have all the resources that we need to make this move. And the fee-for-service system is holding back the health of these communities and it's incredibly challenging for primary care doctors. And so th there's a path here. And I just would love people to understand that. Um, I'd love them to work with Agilon if, if that's possible. But more importantly, I just want people to get off sort of this being stuck in the inertia of today and, and move forward. And I just I think it's time that that would be my message of hope, but also of urgency. Like, let, let's get moving. Steve, I could not agree more with you. I'm so on board with that message. So many more questions I have for you. I'd, I'd love to do a deeper dive. And, you know, I was serious before. I'm going to share this interview with the folks I'm going to be speaking to, the medical students this coming month. I'm going to send it out to some colleagues across the country and academic medical centers. I think this would be, particularly, I think AMCs, our academic medical centers, are really looking to shore up the primary care service and in the community, whether they're employed physicians or, or community-based physicians and independent physicians. So I, I think there's a real opportunity, particularly as you were talking about in sort of the underserved areas. So just absolutely fantastic, brilliant. I'm I'm so excited for what you're doing. So glad that we were connected. And by the way, 
for folks who are listening out there, we were actually connected through a uh, independent physician group that is a client of Agilon's. And that, that's how I learned of Steve Sell and Agilon Health. So very grateful for my friend and colleague, Chris Crow, who, who connected us, who's one of the most amazing primary care physician and healthcare leaders I've met. So Steve, as I do every episode, I conclude by thanking all of those out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients. And those of you who are supporting those who are taking care of patients, you don't get enough credit for what you're doing. I, we truly appreciate you for what you do, recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, families, communities, and our society. Steve, again, just such a heartfelt note of gratitude to you. I hope we get to interact in the future. My friends, this is Zeb Newworth on creating a new healthcare. Until next time, be safe and be well.